Hey everyone, I am Yarrow and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. I cannot, really cannot believe that it took me almost a whole year to share this beautiful conversation with you. I honestly really love talking to Lex Ritchie and then very shortly after we did this interview, um, I had an accident and life changed and this year, now that we're coming to the end of it I'm, and I'm looking back on it, I really just dropped a lot of balls and, or rather I tried to focus on the balls that really needed to stay up in the air. And so at the moment I'm kind of catching up with episodes that I have recorded a while back and finding a new rhythm. And uh, as I'm, I hope you've noticed that I have now been publishing every two weeks and I really hope that I can keep that steady because... I love this space so much. I'm so grateful for you and your support. And I really want to feature and support all these beautiful people that say yes to talking to me. So thank you so much to Lexi and everyone for your patience. And um, yeah, look, looking back at this episode and editing it just now, I really felt like I was in this time capsule doing a bit of time travel because um yeah, like I said, I recorded this pretty much a year ago, and so we were at a similar stage in the cycle of the year, just coming up towards the winter solstice, but we were in the first year of the pandemic, and that was quite different, and it's so interesting. To me, it's really helpful to look back or listen back or read back um, into old diaries. I also have this habit of um, taking screenshots of newspaper headlines. I have a massive folder now because I think one day, a few years from now, I want to go back and look at them and remember how I felt when the news first broke and, you know, how I shared about that with um, loved ones and what I was thinking at the time. I don't know. I just think that being alive right now is so much to take in and we have to find these little, like, guideposts or points of orientation. But I won't waffle too much about that. I will just say this is a beautiful conversation. We talked about really finding own practices that feel liberatory and healing, queerness, neurodivergence, and liminality as a source of magic. We talked about navigating pandemic challenges and how we adapted. And I really hope that you're getting as much out of the conversation as I did. Just a few updates from me, um, I am running free workshops again every other month, the next one is coming up in January, it's about tarot and dreaming into the year which I'm really excited about and I'll link to the sign up in the show notes. The other update is that um, the Creative Nature Coven is almost ready for you to join, I'm really excited, it's something that has organically grown out of the, the Patreon community that I've been uh, developing and nurturing and loving in the past uh, four years I think and um, it's just a bit different it's a bit better to be honest we have a beautiful space on Mighty Networks um, I'm offering creative space sessions twice a month in which we come together to quietly practice craft or art or drawing doodling textile stitching whatever you like to do and just don't find enough time for just come join the space it's really warm and supportive they're always great people and you get to just be cozy together and sink into that space of creativity and stay connected with your practice sometimes I draw cards sometimes we have a little intro meditation but it's always really sweet and then 
is also a big archive of practices that you can dip into, recordings of um, meditations and self-massage practices and movement and tarot spreads and playlists so you get to go with that at your own pace and I'm moving that away from Patreon if you have been a Patreon up until now you don't have to do anything you just automatically become part of the creative nature coven but for new members I'm finding a different solution and that is almost ready so if you want to hear about that you can get on a wait list I'm just figuring out a way that is a bit affordable, more affordable for all of us because you're paying 20% taxes on Patreon and then I pay currently about 50%, 15% in uh, currency conversion, platform fees, payment fees and it just feels like a bit, a bit much, you know? So from what you're paying, only 65% really actually lands in my account and I don't want to have to pass that on to people. So I'm finding a different solution. I'll let you know about that as soon as possible. And now I will stop waffling and finally let you listen a year later. Thank you again to Lex. Thank you to you. I love you so much. Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful holiday time. And I'll send another episode to you very soon. Hi everyone, I'm really excited to do another episode today. It feels like I'm really winding down into the cozy season and it's beautiful to speak to all kinds of magical practitioners to see what this year has been like for them and what's currently feeling good in their practices. Um, so today I'm speaking to Lex of Daisai Tarot, which is, yeah, it just feels like a really beautiful time. There's just been the full moon yesterday and I've been thinking about Tarot again um, and we've connected earlier in the year. And so I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to talk again. Lex, thank you so much for being here and making time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have a conversation with you. Mm, same. So I would love to begin by telling people what you do. And I know this is, uh, can be a big question, <laughs> not easy to answer sometimes, but how would you describe your work at the moment? Yeah, I, um, in like a little one-liner, I do tarot and folk magic, and I, I teach tarot and folk magic for enchantment and liberation. Um, and sort of my big take on tarot and making magic is that these are folk arts for personal power and for freeing up all of our personal powers so that we can be our full selves and have the biggest, most beneficial impact that we each can have on the world. Mm, that is really beautiful. I feel like, yeah, it just felt like you've been saying this for 10 years <laughs> it's really beautiful <laughs> yeah great and I agree I mean there's so much to navigate this year and there always is but especially this year so it feels really good to focus on personal power and how we navigate that and the impact that we have on the world um yeah so speaking of this year I would love to hear what it's been like for you if there's anything that you're grieving at the moment how are you navigating all the alone time and the indoorness. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just for me personally, like I have been able to navigate this pandemic from like a position of being pretty privileged, right? Like my partner has been able to work all through the pandemic. 
Um, so that has like made sure that like things have been fairly stable and um, secure that so like I've been able to actually like adapt. Um, and so that has given me and you know, I acknowledge that like that has not been everybody's perspective um, on this pandemic. Um, so I was thinking about this a little bit today, like how it's a little bit like um, in a traditional Celtic cross tarot spread where you have one card for your hopes and your fears, right? Um, and it's a little bit how like this pandemic brings up a lot of fear and it brings up a lot of limitation, but it has also opened up so many opportunities and because I have had to not see friends and because I have had to uh, not, you know, go out and go and I can't go to museums or the places that I would normally go to to spend my time, I have to spend all my time with my own self and with my own space. And that has meant that I have been given a lot of opportunities for healing and for observing patterns about myself that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Um, so even as I am really grieving the loss of ability to interact with my friends in a close way, to see my family, um, I also know that it has been provided me with a lot of opportunities for healing and for fixing things in my own life that I wouldn't have been able to see if I had been, if I had had a more complicated web of relationship through this period of time. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I was also thinking the other day, like, in amidst all of this grief, I also feel like, wow, I, I might never have this much time to myself again, mm -hmm. to think so much about what I really want and to be in this really quiet place. Um, and both things can be so true. It can be really hard and it can have beautiful parts to it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to hear also how your practice has changed. So if you like, you can tell us a little bit more about how you got into this stuff and then maybe also about how it's been feeling supportive to you this year or maybe if it has shifted or changed in some way. Yeah. So... The way I got into this, um, I, I used to be, I, this is a, I used to be a fairly normal person, or I tried to be a fairly normal person. I was um, getting my PhD. I was in graduate school for engineering of all things, and um, but it really was, you know, it was me following this script of my life. You know, like this is what I've been given to do. You go to college, you get a job and you move away from home. And um, and I was just trying to like check all those boxes. And it, I was trying to uh, go to grad school while being, you know, a chronically ill person who um, was neurodiver is neurodivergent. And I was, all I'm also queer and I was trying to fit into like this really like, straight fixed way of being right like academic science is not the most welcoming place for queer people and um I felt awful and everything I was doing was just making my health worse and making my mental health worse and magic and tarot sort of found me at that moment and it's not like 
it was that was the first time I had ever had an interest in tarot or in folk magic. Um, but it was the first time that I think I was really like, I cannot, I can go no longer in the path that I am following and I need something new. And here is this new thing presenting itself to me and I'm going to try it. And so I sort of went about tarot and magic in this way where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it and see what happens. I was very scientific about it. And I was experimenting and, um, that really informs still the way that I approach tarot and folk magic and the way I teach it, because I fully believe that everyone has their own magic inside of them. They don't need somebody to tell them what a tarot card means. They don't need somebody to tell them how to do a ritual. They know that with, you know, everyone knows that within themselves. Um, and it's a process of listening and building trust and experimenting and testing. Um, so yeah, the the way that that has evolved for me, um, all of that is still very much true for me, but the ways that my practice has grown is that um, it has become very, very much clear to me that it needs to be a practice. It needs to be a daily, regular thing that I do. I need to practice it and I need to practice not only my own magic, like magic for myself, for my personal growth, but magic in relationship, right? It like sans relationships, like with people, uh, relationships with my food and relationships with my ancestors and relationships with the land that I live on and relationships with the moon, right? Like all of these different ways of relating, these ways of animist relating um, have become much more important in my practice since the pandemic. Yes, I was nodding along to so much of what you said. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I am... Um... I, if you want to share, if you feel up for it, I would love to hear more about how queerness and neurodivergence impact your practice or what feels true and important to you in that at the moment. Yeah. And I, so we're, we're talking, it's December 1st, right? And like, we're in this sort of, I, th I think of it as like December's descent. We're like moving into this like New Year's portal, this threshold, right? And so we're in this space that's really liminal. And I, this idea of liminality, so, um, so okay, so let me, <laughs> the, the thesis of this idea is that liminality and queerness and the margins are where magic comes from, right? That's where we get like this notion of hedge witches, like witches at, the edges, at the crossroads, at the crux, at the some sort of margin, some sort of threshold, right? And so queerness is in so many ways a threshold in and of itself. Um, it is not just a threshold as in um, like a, a line in the sand, right? You're in or you're out, you're here, you're there, but a threshold like a portal. So it's a um, threshold that is ex 
extended in time. It is the sort of um, liminal space, right? A, a threshold extended in time is like a liminal space where you have to journey through it and make the choice to commit to whatever portal, whatever new chapter you're being brought into. Um, and so to embrace queerness in a world that doesn't value it is to make a choice to be yourself, to play with the in-between and to play with the margins and to choose to be in that space is to be making magic. Um, so, so the very like queerness to choose to live and embody your queerness is to make your living magical. Yes. Again, <laughs> I was nodding along so much and was like, yes, I really think there's a reason that there's so many, there's such a big overlap between witchy people and queer people. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this year is a particularly interesting year also for community care and and thinking about the spaces that we're part of and what we want to contribute to them and also how they are accessible to us um and I wonder what that means to you at the moment and this could really take any direction like I have been thinking for example about how I've attended this online philosophy conference a few months ago that I would have never been able to go to outside of a pandemic where everything was online and then in other ways I feel I'm really missing so much to be in a physical space with other people. Um, so yeah, it has layers and I wonder what it's like for you. Yeah, one of my biggest struggles um, has been the fact that I am chronically ill and um, my chronic illness is an autoimmune condition, which means that um, I'm particularly, like I particularly should not be spending time in real space with people um, who I don't live with. And so I have not been able to be involved in my community in the ways I have wanted to and the ways that I have valued in the past because of this pandemic. Um, so that has really been a struggle for me and um, that I cannot care for my community right now. And that because of the way the U.S. is handling the pandemic, my community can't care for me. Um, that's been really hard. But it's also been super amazing to see the ways that my idea of community has shifted. Um, I have become much more invested in my relationships with like other witchy people that I would, you know, otherwise not be able to meet in person um, and cultivating those relationships um, has been really informative for me. So figuring out how to be in community when there are no physical ties has been really awesome and in some ways you know that is in and of itself magical to to cultivate an invisible thing a relationship when there is no physical connection right that it takes some 
a little bit of magic and witchcraft to do that. Um, so that's been really interesting for me in this time. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. um, I also know there's so many people that now have more time to think about these things and explore their own practices and get curious and, and listen to stories of other people. So I wonder what you would share with people who are just starting out at their own practice and they maybe feel overwhelmed by everything that's possible and like how do we make a start and stay with ourselves in that process? Okay, so I think I would have two pieces of advice. And the first one is the advice I give everybody about folk magic. And then I totally recognize it is kind of a shitty piece of advice, but it is the best piece of advice at the same time, um, is, is just do it. Do something, make a note of it, try it and see what happens, right? Like this is an experiment. And it's an experiment in owning your own power. And you can't own your own power. You can't even start to try to be centered in your power if you're not willing to act of your own accord, if you're not willing to try something and see what happens. If you're just waiting for somebody else to tell you what to do, um, to tell you how to feel magical, to tell you how to listen to your intuition, like you, you might learn, right? But you're not going to develop the sort of independence and personal power that I think is really the true gift of magic and of looking at the world in this way. Um, and I think the second piece of advice that I would really, really offer is, um, is that it starts in your intuition and learning what your intuition feels like, learning how to tune into it, the, just the process of listening and learning which inner voice is my in intuition which inner voice is my anxiety? How can I, I strengthen my relationship with my intuition and learn to trust it? Um, are all like, it's the, the practice of knowing that you can trust yourself and your magic starts in knowing your intuition. Yeah. Those, are, those would be my two pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Are there any things that kind of come up in your own practice where you're like, oh, yeah, like I really trust myself or like this is a beautiful sign that I can receive that I'm on the right path? Like maybe it's a card that shows up or a feeling or a sensation in your body where you're like, mm, yes, this is me and not my anxiety necessarily. Yeah. Um, so for me, and right, this is different for everybody um, because everyone's intuition manifests differently, you know. So um, for me, when I know I my in, it's my intuition and I know that this is the right thing, um, it's a really, really embodied feeling. Um, and it, it rises like from my gut up through my solar plexus. Um, and on up my spine. And, and that is the feeling that is my intuitive feeling. Um, and I think part of the reason that is, is my feeling for me is because I'm 
a very earthy person. Like my astrological chart is very, um, is ruled by earth. I'm very earthy. And so I have a very embodied experience. Um, but you know, other people with orient who are oriented towards different elements or who have, you know, maybe they're very clairaudient, it would be something different, but it's more a process of like, you know, I know how to listen to myself and to my body and to what's being said. And that's been a process of trial and error and uh, practicing trust, right? So, cause trust isn't just like a one and done thing. It's, it's definitely something that's practiced. Yes, super true. I can attest to that. I made some big changes in my life last year and I work with an affirmation. Um, like I trust myself to make this work. Um, and I don't always, I haven't always felt affirmations easy, I would say. I sometimes felt a bit cynical about them. And I think I still feel that it doesn't work. If it really doesn't feel true for you, then it feels more like a patch up. Um, but if it's something that's around self-trust and it's just within reach, but a bit of a stretch, then that feels something, yeah, like something really helpful to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, like, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm I've always been a little skeptical of affirmations and I'm working with one right now and it feels that same way. It's like, I want this to be true. It's almost true. And so I just have to keep saying it and keep trying to realign towards it over and over and over. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever work with specific chosen tarot cards? So not as in you would draw one and see what happens, but more as in choosing one and then kind of building a conscious, intentional relationship to that archetype into your practice. I, yes, I have done this um, in a couple of different ways. So one way I do it is with my card of the year. Um, both so my personal card of the year and then also the collective card of the year they're both sort of energies that I will work with intentionally throughout the year um, and then in the past I've also um, at the beginning of the year pulled a card for myself um, and I, I don't necessarily pull it usually I will like flip through my deck and I will pull out any card that catches my eye and then I will select one from that pile um, to work with intentionally throughout the year. Um, so I did this in 2019 and my card was the uh, Ace of Wands and because I wanted to really connect to my fire um, and to my, to my creativity and to my passion. And then I did this in 2020. My card was the sun um, because I really wanted to connect to um, my sort of keyword. One of my keywords for the sun is clarity through joy and, and letting it become clear through an expansive sense of, of joy, um, what is necessary in my life and what is not. Um, and those have both been super illuminating experiences um, because, yeah, the the idea of joy and the idea of my passion have been um, have been struggles for me. Um, I my rising sign is Sagittarius, but I 
have never really felt super connected to it. So working with those, both of those very fiery cards has been a process of working to embrace that side of myself that is fiery and that is passionate. Um, and actually the affirmation I'm working with right now is sort of a manifestation of these two years of work. The affirmation is make it fun, make it easy, make it playful. Um, so it's all about just embracing the fire side of things. That's so beautiful. I love that. It's, it's fun to hear. Like I felt that my whole body was like, oh yeah, this is cute and playful and And it's also, yeah, something really beautiful to hold on to this year to remember that that's okay. And um, I also really resonate with what you said about your rising sign and the fire. I'm a Leo rising and I also sometimes, I'm like, what? I'm just, yeah, and you're a Scorpio sun too, right? Yes, and a Libra so, moon. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, okay. So I am a Scorpio sun, Capricorn moon, and um, Sag rising. So yeah, like mm -hmm. just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very disconnected from that fiery rising. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really rare that I feel really feel like, oh yeah, the rising energy. Um, I'm so introverted, and I know things always look different on the internet, don't they? But still, um, anyway. Um, I yeah, I would love a little bit more um, to hear a little bit more about what kind of the bridge back to this personal power piece is for you and your practice so you talked so beautifully about really like what can we do to understand ourselves meet ourselves create living conditions that really work for what we're working with basically and how do we make space for our needs and still are part of a community um and where does yeah where does personal power come back in for you in that circle if it is a circle <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think that it's sort of like personal power is the center of the circle, if that makes sense. So like I sort of view personal power as like this thing that lives within us. It's like our birthright. And um, we, we have inherently agency, right? We can take action and direct our lives. Um, and the world we live in doesn't want us to think that that's true or doesn't want us to know the extent to which that's true for us. Um, and so we take actions, but it's not from the center, right? So we might go out into our community and engage in activism, but it might, maybe it doesn't feel right. Maybe it's not our activism, right? Because it's not coming from a place of personal power. It's coming from a place of somebody external to us is telling us what activism should look like. Or maybe we are making magic and um, investing in our spiritual growth, but we're not seeding the place of authority in that spiritual growth within ourselves. The magic is external to us or the way to learn about magic is external to us. Um, so it's more about where are you, from where you center your actions, do you claim your power and your agency and your ability to make just radical, drastic change if that's what you desire in your life? 
um, or do you continue to let that power be ceded to entities outside of you? Um, yeah, so it's sort of like, you know, we have the whole circle of how we make magic and how we engage with relationship and build community and relate to other people and other entities. And it, within the center of that is our personal power if we choose to center it there. Yes, doing a little jazz hands over here. <laughs> um, yeah. I I feel like gosh like you've shared so much and I was nodding along so much and I think this interview is so beautiful for listen for people for really anyone to listen to but especially people who really want to return to their own practice which I know so many listeners really do and I'm almost at a loss at, around what else I can ask you but I'm wondering if there's something on your mind that you feel like you would like to speak to that maybe I haven't touched on yet or something that you feel excited for or something that you're maybe looking towards in the future, which I know can feel really abstract at the moment, but maybe who knows, maybe you do have some ideas. Yeah. Um, so one thing that was coming up as we were talking um, that we actually haven't um spoken to very directly is that we're in this like moment of transition from the uh the emperor year to a hierophant year um and i've sort of said this already about how like this moment in time this end of the year new year sort of space is a very liminal space right and um the nature of that liminality right is if we choose to embrace our personal power here, that's gonna sow seeds for our new year. It's going to help us, we're gonna be more prepared to claim our personal power throughout the year if we start thinking about it and start taking little tiny magical steps towards it in this liminal space. Um, and the Hierophant card is a card that I love dearly. It is, um, it's actually my birth card and I, it's been very much mirrored in my life's journey, right? Like I was given this set of expectations about what I should do in life and I tried that and I rejected it. I, um, yeah, I didn't say this explicitly earlier, but um, I didn't just, you know, go to graduate school. Um, I actually dropped out of my PhD. I did not finish. I only had a year left and I was like, you know what? Can't do this anymore. I no longer recognize the authority of this institution to assess my knowledge and I am out of here. Um, and I started my business and I made my own path in life. And that's very much Hierophant energy. And so necessary for that, necessary for taking on your own authority and, and knowing your values and choosing to live your values is centering your agency, your ability to choose and take action within yourself. Um, so yeah, I just, this is, it's very much in line with, you know, all of the challenges of an emperor year, and it's only going to get more important next year so mm -hmm. yes yes 
totally. I am so curious to see how that year, how next year is going to unfold for people, what we're going to integrate, how we're going to grieve, how we're going to return to something new, hopefully not yes. normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and how yeah, like how long is that going to take? How painful is it going to be? How painful are we going to make it? <laughs> and, and how are yes. we each going to relate to our own emperor in some way or another too mm-hmm. yeah but you're totally right it is super brave to leave something that you have worked for so long and to do something else especially if that's not something that the people around you are doing which has also been the case for me when I started my business that's not something people I know have done and so yeah there's a lot of um circling around and reconnecting to ourselves and finding our own compass and I think there's also just so much shit information out there, right? I, You know, the internet is such a gift in so many ways. It connects us to so many people and ideas, but it still has dominant cultures within it. And I definitely know for myself that in the beginning when I was starting out in my business, I found it really hard to constantly return to what felt true to me because it's so tempting to think, oh yeah, I'll just follow this blueprint and, and then X or Y will happen and yeah, it's it's not that easy. So well done for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think you bring up a really good point here is that like, you know, the, the Hierophant is both the choice to live your own values and the choice to follow somebody else's template. Mm. So like, yeah, just, you know, we need everybody to make the choice to follow their own. Mm-hmm. you know um yeah. hopefully that's what we see in 2021 mm-hmm. yes what are you currently offering and where can people find you yeah so I offer um tarot readings and folk magical and tarot education um my schedule for 2021 is very much not clear yet, um, but I will be in 2021, I will be offering one-on-one mentorship and um, various folk magical workshops, as well as um, my course um, on learning to read tarot in your own unique empowered way. I call it encountering the tarot and I'm super excited to offer that again because the experience was absolutely amazing. Um, And I don't know when this is going out, but um, I'm actually this week um, gonna be uh, offering year ahead readings, starting to offer year ahead readings. So yeah. Uh, And folks can find me on Instagram, I am the.days.i there, I like E-Y-E, like the I in your head. Um, and then you can also find me at daysitarot.com. Mm, cool. I will link to all of that in the show notes. And I would love to hear if you don't mind sharing, like, what is your approach to, to year head readings? I've always been feeling mixed about them and I do do them in some ways just for myself and I really like choosing a card and making that my personal card of the year and then also calculating what my uh, technical card for the year is but also there can be something scary and a bit overwhelming in the complexity of year head reading so I would love to hear how you do them and what you love about them. Yeah so I always center the individual's agency in my readings 
Um, and that includes my year ahead readings. So um, I don't find that, you know, pulling cards for each of the months of the year to be that helpful of a practice. Um, some people might love it, but I find that it is overwhelming to the individual who's getting the reading. And it's also a little bit, um, it's predictive in a way that is very deterministic and doesn't honor the individual's agency in the way I think that it should be honored in a tarot reading. So I don't do that. Um, what I do is I look at um, both the um, individual's personal cards of the year and their collective cards of the year, uh, the collective card of the year. Um, and I pull cards for how they're invited to embrace it, how they will be challenged by these cards. Um, I pull cards for each of the seasons of the year um, to both to look at the themes that will be coming up and as touchstones for how to embrace that energy throughout the year. So for example, winter is very oriented towards rest and integration. Um, and rest and integration during the winter months is important, but there also may be periods of the year where rest and integration is needed. So how do you touch into that um, in that period of the year where you know you need rest? Um, and I also look at um, sort of the seeds that need to be planted in the new year and what needs to be left in the old year. So it's very much focused on the, the threshold moment, the just before the new year and the just after the new year. How can you set yourself up for the most magical year possible? And how can you continue to touch into your magic throughout the year? as things change and as you make decisions and as you claim your agency. Oh my God. Yes. Like, well, I want to repeat this. How can you set yourself up for your most magical year? I think that is so important. Let's really sit with that. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lex. It's been really, really wonderful to speak to you. And I'm really grateful for all that you shared. And I'm excited for people to check your work out in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yes. <laughs>